Hello, and welcome to Agents of Nonprofit. My name is Alexander Lapa, and I'm here to speak with everyday superheroes helping nonprofits. Joining me today is Rachel Bear Bauer to talk about systems and getting more of your time back. Rachel, welcome to the show. Oh, Alex, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. So I'm curious to know, what is your superhero origin story? That is to say, how did you get started working with nonprofits? Oh, man. Well, I, I think every superhero falls into it by accident. Um, and that's exactly what I did. I actually, I, I really, truly, it, it all happened by accident. I, and it started by founding a nonprofit. I was young and, you know, was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I, you know, was planning on being a financial advisor, maybe a senator. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to start a nonprofit. Can't be that hard. And, uh, Spent uh, seven years running my organization. I I found it, built it up. Then I was tired, real burned out. And I decided to leave my role as executive director and teach what I know, which is how how to help small shop executive directors create better systems for better stewardship and better retention. Awesome. How long has that been now? Oh, gosh. Five and a half years, I think, Mm. Christopher. Almost five and a half years, yeah. Awesome. So there was a few items we could talk about because there's, we have a few a few common passions, and definitely systems is one of them. So we we decided that the systems would be a good place to start, and maybe some habits to go with those systems. So I was curious to know this to making sure people understand the definition of a system, because a system could mean could mean a technology, and it could mean a process. So when you talk about, for example. The idea of reclaiming your time and, and having using systems to help you reclaim that time. What do you normally refer to when you mention systems? Yeah, uh, you know, there's there are so many so many ways that you can define a system, but the definition that I have come up with and that I really work from is that a system is a tool or technology combined with routines and habits that help you move toward a desired outcome. So someone, you know, someone listening right now would be like, might be like, uh, cool, I've got all the apps and I've got all the technology and the systems to keep me organized and I am still a hot mess. So it's, a, I think it's important to think of systems as, as a combination of all of those different things, the tech, the routines and the habits and think of it as, as a tool. Because without a process, I mean, the things will just stand on the on the shelf, so to speak, right? So, yes, it might automate a few things for you, but if you don't have a way to make sure you're actually doing what you need to do, it doesn't really help. So, if I understand correctly, it's, it's a tool or process or and process. I didn't, I missed that word between the two. So, a tool or technology combined with mm. routines and habits that help you move toward a desired yeah. outcome. Okay. And so you mentioned uh, you have a workshop on this. You mentioned it in your own podcast as well, how there are four basic systems to help you. Is it specifically for time management or is it just overall systems to help you with your operations? So I think that it's it, it, it kind of all, it's all part of a bigger picture, right? Like you need systems and, and when you have systems, you can better utilize your time and... It, it kind of all comes back to, well, you want to better use your time. You also want to be more effective and more efficient with 
you know, the the tools and the tech that you have available. And so the reason you're doing all of that is likely to be able to raise more money, to build better relationships with your donors, and to also have space in your life where you can do, you know, you you have a balance where you aren't always feeling overwhelmed and like, and you have an endless to-do list and you, you can make time for the things that you love and that bring you joy. So these are the benefits of the systems, right? Is making sure that it, it creates the space for you so that you can focus on the things you need to focus on and have the systems take care of the mundane stuff or the routine stuff or the stuff that's more error prone that you know you can automate. And then the process supports that to make sure that you're actually using the systems and using them efficiently so that your gain is maximized, uh, again, to be able to focus on the things that you can only, that you need to focus on or that you want to focus on. That kind of summarizes it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So then what are the four basic systems that you advocate for? Yeah. You know, I I, I kind of want to step back just for for one second and you know in in our nonprofit sector we we have this this legacy of work and overwork and being underpaid and undervalued and burnout in the sector is is an epidemic and i think that we as a, a nonprofit sector are often held to just these unrealistic expectations and outdated metrics of what can actually be accomplished and i think so many organizations that are looking to build systems in their organization are doing so so that they have more time you know that's that's what people are looking for to have more time to better manage their time to better use their time and i think that it's important to like i teach a lot of system building and productivity and to remind yourself that not only are you doing this to like better use your time and be more efficient, but to actually be able to do less, right? Like that's the power of automations. That's the power of systems is like you are just being more effective so that you, when you figure out a system and it's working for you, it's not so that you can add more to your plate. It's so that you can actually do less, which is something that I think terrifies people. But that's also how I have come to create these basic systems and really help nonprofits kind of manage their time. So that's a really interesting point to do less because typically, and this is what I think that was promised to us many years ago is that, you know, computers would help our lives, simplify our lives, give us more free time. And yet I think the trend has been the opposite, right? The more work you can do, the more work you get. And that the systems and the technologies that support them are actually working, are making us work even more. And you mentioned that earlier of just, it's a churn now where it's how fast can you churn things out? How fast can you can you do things? And uh, it's not doing giving us the break we're supposed to. It's not allowing us to take our foot off the gas pedal, so to speak. So this do less ma- mantra, I love it. But do you think people can actually do it? Or they say, oh, now I got an extra few minutes to do something. Let's do an extra newsletter, an extra, an extra outreach, an extra whatever. Like, how do you refrain or how do you teach people or or let them know that it's okay to do less? Well, I mean, it is extremely hard and it is, it is something that is just ingrained in how we, it's ingrained in the expectation, not just in nonprofits, but I mean, everywhere, you know, Henry Ford created the 
you know, the, the assembly line so that, you know, the assembly line and the 40 hour work week based on nothing more than like, I need to get more done and it's going to take me 40 hours to get everything that I need done, not based on like how we work as humans or, Mm. you know, what are the things that we need? It was all based on greater production. And so a great example of this is, you know, okay, so I'm, I'm a farmer, (laughs) not a lot. Well, I I talk about a lot, but, but I, I live on a farm and we farm several hundred acres, but if we rewind for a second and we think about farming, the farming practice in general, there there are seasons, right? So like we're in winter right now. We're not doing anything. I mean, we're like, you know, doing maintenance on tractors and stuff like that. But when this when spring hits, that's when planting starts. That's when we start to see, you know, we put the seeds in the ground and things start to grow. We add the fertilizer. We head into summer where the sun is out, things really start to grow and bloom. And then we move into fall where it's harvest time. And we then once, you know, the crop is harvest, we move into winter and we just have this ongoing seasonal cycle. Okay. So hundreds, hundred years ago, farmers used to produce the amount of food and the amount of crop that they needed to serve their local community. Okay. So just the people within their, however big their radius is, that's the amount of food that they created, just enough to be able to provide and survive and possibly even thrive. And then there became this shift where we had to start mass producing the crops so that, you know, apples are grown in Washington and shipped all over. Um, We grow corn and soybeans, which are shipped all over the world. And there's, there's, you know, it, it's incredible what has been able to be accomplished, but it's also there, there's a lot of consequences because of that. And I think that when we are, we're thinking about our time and we're thinking about our systems, taking a step back and looking at like, why am I creating the system? What is it like? Am I trying to like mass produce like this, you know, an organization? Am I trying to serve like, the entire world or am i am i trying to help the people within my community and staying small and doing what i need to thrive within my community how can i do that i love it i think it's um if we get so caught up in the in the wheel the rat race and the the wheel of productivity that we don't um take a moment to enjoy ourselves and to remember why we got into doing it in the first place so I think it's awesome that you live on a farm too. I didn't. I didn't know that. That's really cool. <laughs> it's true. I, I've been a big learning curve, but great metaphors for all of the system mm. talk. So, <laughs> shall we jump into the four systems then? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so there are four basic systems that, and I recommend this really for your own personal systems as well as kind of as an organization. So whether you are a person organization or you are a one-person small shop. So there are four systems that every leader needs. Number one is schedule management. Number two is project management. Number three, operations management. And number four, executive management. Now, you might have inside of your organizations or or inside of your life, um, for example, you know, on the form, I've got a meal prep system and we have a tractor maintenance system. And, 
If you're an animal rescue, you might have a dog walking system or a food log system, but, and, and each org will be different. So that's totally okay to have additional systems, but there are four, the four basic ones for the organizations um, are the ones that I just managed. So I can, I can start digging into them, giving a little more context about what each one is. All right. So first up we have schedule management. So organizations use this for things that are time specific, like meetings and appointments. Um, for schedule management, um, you might use a tech uh, platform or software uh, like Calendly that to help you schedule those appointments. Uh, then next up, you've got project management. And so this is for the big picture stuff. This is used for organizing your goals and planning. And it's it, it has a more, it, it's a little bit more flexible in timing. So you, that some of the tech and software that you might use is like Notion or Asana, even a Google Sheet. So then you have operations management. And this organizes your data and your tech and kind of the external stuff. And you're you're really focused on organizing your information and, and simplifying. Okay, so with those three systems, so we've got schedule, project, and operations, each of those are considered a digital or technology-based system, meaning they are helped by technology. All right. Here's where things get good. The last system is executive management. And so this is actually an analog system and it helps your brain focus and take action. And the fun part is that this system is is actually, it's usually hindered by technology because our, our executive function is actually a very, very human process. So it's hard to fully replace it by technology. And and actually what a, a lot of what I teach is helping leaders and organizations find the synergy between their digital and, and analog systems. All right, let's review then. So schedule management, so Calendly, for those that don't know, is a great tool that allows you to share a link with someone. And that link uh, opens up a calendar which shows your availability so you don't need to, and then the person you send it to can pick a date and time that works for them rather than sending emails back and forth to say, hey, are you free on Thursday at five or are you three free on Monday at two? Um, it's a great tool. There's a lot of competitors for it as well. Yep. Is is that really, um, would that be the most popular one in schedule management? Not the tool itself, but the type of tool versus ones that are, for example, um, creating space in your calendar for, uh, focus time, because there are certain tools that do that as well. Would you categorize them in the same schedule management in, in terms of just, not just scheduling time with other people, but also time for yourself or time for things? It's, I guess it's all in the same grouping, right? Yeah, it's kind of all in the same grouping. And I mean, even, you know, if you're not using something like Calendly, like you probably have like your digital calendar, like your, you know, your Google calendar, but whatever it is, it's the purpose as it the purpose of it is time specific so that you can mm -hmm. track your meetings and your schedule. So part of your schedule could be that focus time. Okay. And then project management, I think is more straightforward. Yeah. Asana, a very popular one. Notion is a great one too. Uh, I use Trello sometimes as well. 
doesn't really matter what you use, um, but the idea is that it allows you to to plan things, schedule not schedule things per se, but at least plan things in a certain sequence, at least. Mm-hmm. Certain dependencies might be between things, knowing what you've accomplished in a particular week. So that's all in that category. And please feel free to jump in if you want to add to it. I'm just yeah, going to wrap no, my head around each of these categories just to get a little more distinct with some of the apps that I'm thinking of because I don't know, I'm an app guy. Got to think about yeah. apps. It, and and the really the way to think about this this system is the the key component is that it's for things that are flexible in timing. So if you mm. have a project, you know you've got, um, you know you're planning a gala. You have several different um, aspects to it. Not only do you have the timeline of you know the sequence of events, but like also like, you know, the the, the to dos that are on the list. And so it's something that can capture all of it. And organize your goals and help you plan for that that project. Got it. So then, the third operations management—that's obviously your CRM, that's your your um, fundraising tool, it's your uh, donor um, donor management. It could be your email systems, everything that allows you to do what you need to do in a more automated fashion. I think that's pretty and straightforward. It actually, like, it can be even more simple. Um, mm. It can it can be your your Google Drive. It can be your Dropbox. It's it can be where you are housing your information and how you set up your files and how you are organizing all of the different pieces that we have inside of our inside of our organizations. And then the fourth is the I, I would almost see it as a tip of the pyramid where it just kind of uses everything beneath it to bring everything into focus, allows you, like you said, to take action and, and see the bigger picture. Um, where would you put reporting, if anything? Is is how report? Because I've heard a statistic that not many nonprofits use data um, effectively. They, they collect data, but they don't really use it. And I kind of see a, another element to it is the reporting element where you can start making decisions based on the data that you have. Would you put that under operations or is that somewhere else? Is it off to the side or is it something that, you know, as terms of a basic system, you wouldn't really consider to be part of? You know, I really, I, I really like that question. I think that, I think that these four basic systems are really based on how to better utilize your time. And while, you know, reporting can help you make better decisions, which in turn can allow you to save more time or to better utilize your time, I think that I would actually consider kind of a information management or system management system to be something separate, separate kind of outside of these four four systems. Because like, as I mentioned, like there's absolutely um, additional systems that you might have inside of your organization. Like you might have a, a grant system or a fundraising system or um, and and I think that kind of that information reporting would abs- is absolutely a system, um, but these four are your like most basic foundational ones. Got it. And then you mentioned the balance between digital and analog systems. I'm curious to know more about that. How do you like? Why is it important to balance the two? Why wouldn't you want to go full digital for anal- full analog? Well, I can. I can answer my own question about the full analog part, but why would you want to go full <laughs> digital at least? And like, why would why is that imbalance important at all? 
Yeah, absolutely. And it goes back to the fact that we are humans. Um, so so for for the analog, um, my analog pals out there, it is actually really good to have a balance between both. Um, and and here here's my case for that. So um, when you write something down by hand, it provides your brain with like valuable motor feedback, um, which it does a couple of things. So number one, it helps you better remember what it is that you're doing. So better remember the task. Um, then remembering the task allows you to feel this, this ownership and responsibility for the task. So when you write your to-do list in like a random Excel sheet or like on your notes app, it's much easier to forget and you you feel much less personal responsibility for that task. The last one is writing something down by hand actually makes you 40% more likely to complete it. Mm. And so, yeah. So like the, the actual act of writing something down, I mean, you know, we are like, when I was young, I knew the phone numbers of all of my best friends and my grandparents and my dad's um, office. And, you know, I, I knew all of those phone numbers be heart by heart because I had to, I had to write them down. And now, you know, I go in for a medical appointment. They're like, who's your, um, you know, who should we contact in case of an emergency? And I'm having to look up my partner's phone number because I've just stored it, you know, into this digital system um, and without ever really writing it down. And so this, and this is the rub with like, Yes, technology and like these digital platforms and systems have done some incredible things to help us like just reimagine like how we do our work. And yet at the same time, there are still some very like basic fundamental things that that we as humans still need to do because it's how our brains work. So I like the I like the analog perspective, but I would even I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a second. Right now, there's some really cool tech where you physically are writing, but you're writing on a digital notepad, and that can convert it to text, to, to actual you know, text, as if you had typed it in. Would you say that's a good tool to use or to compromise? Or would you say, you know, you want full analog, you want that pencil on that white piece of paper because that is really what matters? Or do you think these kinds of tools that can, that you, you know, it looks like you're writing, it looks like a pen, it's a digital pen, of course. But it, it it will convert everything you need into uh, a PDF or even to text. Would you? What do you think about that? Using something like a you know a digital uh, pen with a notepad, you know, on your on your tablet or whatever, it still mimics that same kind of idea of writing things down. And I think that it's still maybe not as uh, I. I I, I don't know the science behind it, but I do think that it kind of has, I, so I can't like even make that up, but I do think that they, it still has the same benefits than like typing. Um, so I would, I would agree that like, you know, if you're somebody who wants to, um, you know, use, use something like that, go for it. Absolutely. Um, but it's that mechanical kind of your hand is writing something, which then kind of triggers those neurotransmitters within your brain to start taking those different actions, um, which you just 
don't get the same thing when you're typing it out. Now, that being said, there are people with a lot of different abilities, um, you know, so somebody who maybe doesn't have um, use of their hands, you know, they might not be able to write something down. And so they have have used technology to adapt and it it probably has different benefits for them, which, you know, is is allowing them to be able to do what they need to do. But in in general, just that, you know, pen to paper, pen to iPad, that it creates those the neurotransmitters, that motor feedback that helps you trigger those actions within your brain. I actually I agree completely with you in the sense that writing things down, I do find helps me memorize things. Yeah, so I'm, I'm with you on the on the pen on paper type of thing, at least the movement of it, because I, I find it's very helpful. I, even during this podcast, as we're recording, for example, I'm taking notes, you know, things you're saying so that I can follow up on. I'm not typing them on my keyboard, even though I you know, should or could. I've actually got a little notepad here beside me and I got my little pen in my hand and I'm writing my notes because I find it just writing it down helps me remember things. And it's it's also quieter too, but um, there's something to be said about that pen on paper experience. I just like the idea of the digital ink simply because you can do more with it once you're finished with it versus once it's, you know, if it's a piece of paper on ink, it's hard to convert that to something usable. You might have to retype it and then there's double work and all that kind of good stuff. So there's a balance, obviously, whatever works best for you. And I agree that writing in general works. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's certain, this is one of my favorite questions is that I love technology. It's awesome. You know, there's so many things you can do on it, with it, everything. Um, but I'm curious to know, can, if you rely on them too much, is there a concern that they're, they're a crutch that without them you can't, I mean, to your point earlier, when you can't remember your partner's phone number, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yes, you can store, you know, how many millions of phone numbers in your phone now, but the fact that you can't remember your partner's phone number is a really good example of it's become a type of crutch. Um, you know, without it, we become less functional. You know, people have the biggest fear now of losing their phones uh, more than anything else before. I think it's even worse than public speaking at this point. So, you know, where is there a balance or can we achieve a balance between using these systems, using, using these tools, and yet not relying them to the point where we're not even functional without them? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think with anything, there needs to be balance. Um, there, I, and there are so many examples of this. I think, you know, with, with kids in school now, um, you know, we're, we're teaching them how to add and subtract and multiply and they have to do all of that by hand. And, also, like the last time that I really had to do, I mean, complicated math by hand, it's been a long time because I'm connected to a calculator on my phone. Um, can I still do it? Yes, I learned those skills, but I've got a calculator attached to my phone that's with me everywhere. Um, the, but, you know, the way that I try to support organizations and really my my approach is to find the right systems and the right tech that allow you to get out of the weeds of tech that or out of um, tasks that can be automated, like like scheduling a meeting, for example. You know, you talked about kind of that back and forth process. Like that can be time consuming. So using a tech that 
makes it easier for both parties to schedule that meeting, amazing. But also remembering that there are certain processes and systems that actually can't be automated, like building relationships, you know, um, you, that kind of thing takes time. And so it's figuring out a balance between the, the tasks that can be automated that, uh, you know, you don't necessarily need to, you know, be doing one, you know, one-to-one so that you have time to build those relationships with your donors and create that, you know, that better retention within your organization, because that takes time. That can't be automated. I would even add to that, even if it could be automated, should it be automated? Because there are certain things you definitely don't want to automate, even though you could. And I'm thinking about all the AIs that exist these days. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, and I'm a, I'm a big proponent, like there are certain aspects. So like email marketing, for example, is is a it's a great tool. Creating a welcome ser- series or new donor welcome series within your email marketing that is automated, and so you know a new donor comes in and and then automatically they're receiving emails to help kind of bring them into uh, into your organization and understand the culture. You know that is part of building a relationship that small organizations. You know you can't have a, a one-to-one relationship with every single donor that's coming, you know, coming into your organization. So being able to have something like an automated welcome series that allows you to um, start connecting with those donors and start building that relationship while also at the same time, making sure that you're making time for making phone calls and writing notes or sending, you know, sending email notes. Uh, it, it's about finding that that balance. In order to help those systems or a part of, mm, <clears throat> in order to support the systems, we talked about a bit about processes. And to me, when I think about processes, I also think about habits. Like a process is just basically a habit that you've systematized. <laughs> that, <laughs> um, you know, a habit could be a, you need to start with a habit to make it into a process is, is how I believe it works. At least remembering the book, uh, Atomic Habits. That mm-hmm. was uh, really, um, and I'm just curious to know if you have any tips on when you're building these new systems, are there any kinds of tips or tricks that you know of that you can recommend to people to say, okay, now that you've got this tool, here is a great way to build that process or build that habit or build the process into a habit, no, build the habit into a process. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think, again, you have to step back and you have to understand why your systems fail. And then, and then what can you do to make sure that they stick? Because obviously you create a system, it's working great, but like you just said, it, there's a process and there's habits that, that keep it going. Um, and, and our systems really fail because of entropy. Uh, so when our systems in tech start to decline into chaos, which could mean like, you know, you're not entering donations into your CRM so you don't have reliable data or information to know like who's donated to your organization or how much you've raised so far, you start to lose trust in the system because there's a lack of predictability and order, right? So if we want to have strong, reliable systems, systems that help us move forward with our goals, 
every single day, we need to avoid that entropy cycle, which is where the habits and routines come in. And researchers have said that it can take anywhere from 18 days to eight months to build a habit or to start a routine. Oh, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't have that much time. Like I don't have eight months to build a habit. So you've got to, you got to start small. And, and I think that one of my, my best tips, um, I, I will fully admit that maintaining, like building habits and, and consistently sticking with my habits is like actually personally one of the hardest things for me. I, I had a concussion two years ago and really it wiped out all of my kind of all of my shortcuts that I use to maintain habits. And, and while I was always productivity focused and I liked building systems, this, this piece of the habit building has become essential to how I operate every day. And so I think my, probably the, the tip that like works the best for me right now is connecting it to habits or routines that I'm already doing. Right. So I like, I like my coffee. I like to drink coffee in the morning, but I am not allowed to have my coffee until I have taken my vitamins. Once I take my vitamins, then I'm allowed to start making my coffee. Because if I just go straight to the coffee, I'm definitely not going to do the vitamins. <laughs> and so, you know, it's and it, it's picking one thing at a time. But like what I just talked about, that's something called habit stacking, right? So pick something that you're already doing and then add something to it, like you check your email every day. Well, before you check your email, why don't you write one thank you note? So that's kind of, that, that's worked for me, but I'd love to know what, what kind of habit you or habits, how you are building habits and routines. Yeah, I think stacking is a great way to do it by stacking something you don't like to do with something you already like to do. That definitely helps. For me, it's also just focusing on the goal is making sure that there's a reason why you want to start this habit and just not forgetting it. I don't know if that's an easy way to do things, but I wouldn't start a habit or try to start a habit if it was something for, for something that I had no interest in doing, just for the sake of doing. I want to make sure I know why I'm doing it and, and believe in that cause before I start doing it. And I find that helps me get the extra motivation. Like um started running, for example, not that long ago. And, you know, running can be very challenging. You know, even if it's twice a week, which is more or less what how I do it, and it's only for like five kilometers, we're not talking about you know miles and miles here. So the idea is that just moving your butt and and then understanding why am I doing this? Well, I'm in front of a computer how, most of my most of my day. I need to get the blood uh, flowing. I need to exercise. I need to you know get, be in good shape, stay in good health, and this is an easy and very efficient way to do that. So having that mindset of saying you know this is the reason why I'm doing it will help me. Um, especially on the first few steps when you're not so interested in doing it. And then, of course, um, the passion kicks in. And after the first few hundred meters or so, uh, you start really, or at least I start really enjoying myself. And then it becomes a pleasure all the way through. So um, the, the combination, I would say, for me at least, the stacking and the focusing on the goals is how I build and establish and maintain uh, habits. I love that. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, different habits and routines are going to be different for, for, for everyone, you know? And, and I think when it comes to 
routines, you know, one of the the wildest outcomes from this concussion was, you know, I used to be a morning person. So I like to, you know, be up early. I would, you know, that's, that's just when my brain liked to function, you know, I could get up. I like to, you know, make my coffee, obviously take my vitamins, but do all, do all of my best work in the morning. And post-concussion, I am actually more of an afternoon, late, like into the evening person, which has just flipped all of my routines upside down. So I think something that is important for, for listeners, you know, to remember, for organizations to remember is things might change and you might have to make adjustments and that's totally okay. That is totally okay. Test it out, see what works for you and continue to perfect that process. Not perfect. That's, that's a word I definitely don't want to use, but continue to build on what you have learned and seen work for you. But don't be afraid to, if you can't go for a run in the e- in the morning, it doesn't mean that going for a run in the afternoon is bad. Awesome. Um, Rachel, there's a lot we can talk about. Uh, I want to re- make sure I respect your time though. So uh, maybe you can just share with people uh, how they can get in touch with you and the name of your podcast as well, because that's been going on for quite a while. So there's great value there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I hang out mostly on Instagram. You can find me at Small Shop Strategies. I also um, am at Rachel Bearbauer on LinkedIn. So definitely if you're listening and you're into systems and habits and productivity and all the goodness, um, come find me on the socials. Um, you can also check out my website, which is smallshopstrategies.com. And I do have the Sprout nonprofit Sprout nonprofit podcast, uh, which is really helping seed nonprofits for sustainable impact. And it's a, it's a blast. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk about systems, one of my favorite topics. Thank you for having me. All right, that's it for today. I'm Alexander Lapa, and I hope you join me again in the next Agents of Nonprofit.